1: So the focus of today's podcast is all about peak business performance, and I'm so excited to have a friend and a very special guest with me, Matt Brawning. Let me tell you about Matt. He founded Evolution Seminars, which uses cutting-edge technology to teach people all over the world how to create success and solve inner conflict. As an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and master trainer of NLP, Matt is a leader in the field of business development, and human potential. He was mentored by Tony Robbins. He was filmed in the hit movie, The Journey, that had Brian Tracy and Bob Proctor, and he consults with Fortune 100 companies, including U.S. Bank, YMCA, McAfee, the PMI, which is Project Management Institute, and New York Life. He lives with his family in California. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else would you like to add to that introduction?
2: My gosh! Hi, Nancy. So glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. And I don't know what else to add. I mean, I wrote it. You read it. It was, it was pretty beautiful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing introduction. Um, how cool to thanks. be in a movie? What was what was your part in the journey?
2: You know, it's funny. It was really interesting. Um, that was kind of like a, a secret, kind of spin-off type thing, right? Um, and it was fun. You know, to do a movie premiere and like you know having the DVDs out. But they were they basically had this little storyline of this guy Jonathan who. Um, found these old letters from his grandfather about uh, about how to be successful in life, right? And Brian Tracy played the grandfather who came as a ghost. It was super funny. Uh, and then they would flash these different experts sitting around living rooms and whatnot talking about those principles and how valid they are and whatnot for being productive and being successful in business and life. So I was super blessed to be one of those. It was a lot of fun.
1: Really? That's awesome. How did they find you?
2: You know, to this day, I still don't know. Uh, I think I, we got a call one day and someone said, you know, we saw some of the stuff you had done and asked if we wanted to be a part of this thing. So I am across my fingers, that happens again.
1: Very cool. Did you get to say anything?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We definitely talked quite a bit. Um, they had, it was like about 12 principles of success and then there were, I mean, there was probably I mean, 15 or 18 different experts in there. So they would flash these different um, trios of people sitting around having a chat. Uh, And then, so we went for probably four or five scenes maybe. And yeah, it was a blast. I definitely want to do more of that kind of stuff.
1: Well, maybe people listening to this podcast will say, hey, Matt, come out on my show. We need you. That would be really cool. And then you've got a movie star career. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that would be super fun. You know, I love it though. It's like the the more podcasts, the more um, you know, interviews and and just different things like that. I, I love doing that, and um, certainly we've we've had a lot of conversations off air together. Um, and I love just sitting around, just kind of just chatting with you. You know, really good stuff always seems to come up.
1: That is for sure. And just to give the audience a little preview, I know you're coming out with a podcast shortly. One thing yes. you're going to find, and congratulations, that's a, a huge accomplishment.
2: Thanks. You've been helping me a ton with it already, so I appreciate
1: <laughs> <Good>. it. <laughs> One thing you're going to find about podcast people is they're so inviting. Like You can call up anybody mm. and say, can you be on my show? And most of the time they'll say yes. They're just a great giving group of people, very normal, very down to earth. So I'm yeah. still trying to get The Rock on my show. Do you happen to know him personally? Um,
2: I don't know him personally. He is. Uh, he's only got, I think, 76 million followers at this point.
1: Um, and he just was on just named... Wasn't he named like the sexiest man in the world? Sexiest
2: man of the year and the highest paid movie star right now. He's doing something right. I think he knows some NLP secrets. I think that's what we're talking about anyway, (laughs) but for sure, man, that guy has gone to uncharted territories. Did you know I was a huge, still am, but a huge pro wrestling fan as a kid? And so I watched The Rock come up and, you know, he was Rocky Maivia being a pro wrestler and... It's funny there's a lot of principles that I found that I apply in business cuz our business in like media and teaching and expert space is very much like professional wrestling as odd as that might seem.
1: That is odd. It's exactly
2: the same thing. Very much. Yeah, so I mean that's I mean I don't know if you want to kind of jump into some some ideas. I know we're we're talking about productivity, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, you know, it's funny, Like as you mentioned that, I, I get to thinking because you know, I, I sit around the office with the team and we're always working on ways to, to be more efficient so we can take more time off. So at this point, you know, we have a team of like nine in the office and, and we only work three days a week and then plus when we do live events and whatnot. But I, I just made the thing, I don't know any other companies that do that, but we take every Monday off and every Friday off. And what's funny is I find we're more productive in the three days because we're on and switched on. And then we have time, everyone has time to be with their families and stuff. Um, But I find it's funny, like, being able to switch on and switch off is a huge piece that I I think so many entrepreneurs miss. Um, I know I did. Like, when I first started the entrepreneur journey, I was 22. And I had been mentoring in the real estate mortgage business. And then after I went to a seminar with Tony Robbins, uh, first seminar ever in my life, I was 21. It changed my life. I couldn't believe that all this... Tony talked about, I'm sure you've seen Tony Robbins, right, with the big head and big teeth and huge hands. Right? <laughs> I have a picture with him. <laughs> I
1: have <laughs> right? a picture. He's like twice my size in the picture. I look like a mouse. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's incredible, right? Like a giant personality but also kind of a giant. And I credit him as really one of my first main mentors because uh, I started going to his trainings really early on, and it just it blew my mind because he was talking about the things that motivate us unconsciously and and it was the first time I ever started exploring why we do what we do um, rather than just what we do, right? And and it really cha- changed things. So within, within gosh, six months, I had quit my job, started my first business doing mortgage and real estate. And within a few years, I was 25. I was self-made millionaire and had $5 million in property. And I was traveling around the world and I was literally living the life I always dreamed of. And that kind of entrepreneur tale, you know, um, it wasn't really hard at first, but just kind of a quick backstory is what got me into coaching in the first place was after doing all that with Tony and after, you know, getting this success at an early age, I started looking around and realizing that it was oddly enough really empty. Like you can only sit on so many beaches and sip so many margaritas until you're like, gosh, this is just another beach. And I know it's like, it's it's tough when you're like, if you live in the nine to five grind and you want to start a business, it's awesome, right? But it's funny is once you get that freedom, you start getting a taste of success, pretty soon success is empty if you're not giving back, if you're not, to me, is sharing your gifts, making an impact in the way that you were made to make it. So I started going down the road of personal development and coaching and learned how to speak and I started running workshops and that was the first time ever in my life that I just started really feeling fulfilled at the end of the day because like we were talking about real lives, right? We were Like I was actually helping people shift life stuff, relationship stuff, business stuff, money mindset, um, and it changed everything for me, you know, to be able to do that rather than, nothing wrong with real estate, but rather than just doing real estate, helping someone buy a house, I was helping them like shift like their lives. And I tell you, that was 10 years ago, um, 10 years ago last month, December 2016, that I started on that journey. and It's just been so incredible.
1: So anyway, thanks for... Yeah, that is a great story. And you know, you are so fortunate to have found that in such a young age. I'm I'm an entrepreneur, but I am, in my mind, late to the entrepreneur party. I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I actually learned my dad was an entrepreneur, but I think my mom never told us that because it's a hard word to say and we're probably like, well, what does that mean? But and I still yeah. can't
2: spell it. I mean, there's there's U's and E's in there somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, I,
1: I can't either. It, my my computer <laughs> should just know I'm going to spell it wrong. Hey, let's talk about let's talk about NLP since you kind of touched on that in yeah. the introduction. And I know Tony Robbins does that, so it's a perfect yeah. segue. What do you think is a miss, the biggest misconception about it?
2: Ah, oh, such a good question. So, well, so, so if you haven't heard of it, NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And, and I know you've heard about this. We've talked about it and whatnot. Um, but Neuro Linguistic Programming is this – it's really a mindset that was developed in the early 70s about excellence and about reproducing results. And that's all it is, right? So the early NLP pioneers would go out and meet with therapists originally. And these therapists had 30, 40, 50 years experience uh, working with clients and getting like they called it magical results. the NLP people would go and start to model like their language structures and model their physiologies, like how they move their bodies when they talk to people and and just model all sorts of things under the surface you would never think to look at. Um, And what happened is they would begin teaching those models to people, the structures, and students of NLP with a few months' experience, and today we can even do it with a few minutes' experience literally, um, can duplicate similar or even the same results with their clients without having to have 30 years experience. So what's happened is now NLP, we apply that to everything. If you want to be a great snowboarder, um, you learn the NLP modeling process, and you learn what to model from the expert snowboarder friend of yours. Um, and the last thing that people – see, people usually say, well, teach me – and this is a great metaphor – teach me how to snowboard. And their friend usually takes them up to the top of a mountain. And then says, okay, you just kind of put your board down, you aim your nose, and you just jump and go, and then you kind of move back and forth. And he goes, oh, great. And then he topples all the way to the ground, right? Like, <laughs> and then you spend the rest of the day drinking hot toddies, nursing a sore butt, and going, I'm never going to do this again. That's most people's experience, I think, trying anything new. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that in business, right? They jump into a, to a new business, and then they're nursing their sore butt afterwards, quitting their business, back to a job, going, never again am I going to try that kind of a risk, The truth is you can't just jump into something without knowing the structures behind it. So NLP really is the science of how to model structures of success. And if you heard nothing else this whole conversation, just understand that's what it is. Um, To answer your question though, the misconception of NLP is a lot of people think NLP is making people do what you want them to do or it's manipulative. Um, And certainly some people who have learned NLP have taken down that route. Um, I don't think it's NLP's fault. I I think some people just have a heart for manipulation, which is terrible. Um, But as long as you have a heart that's for influence, that's for betterment, that's for getting ideas across, for helping people, right, Um, I think NLP is very much a do-with process, not a do-to process, if that makes sense.
1: I like that. So I like how you say it's modeling. And one thing you're really good at is – Selling from the stage when you speak, and I know sometimes mm. people make mistakes. What are, how can they use NLP or even modeling what you're doing to avoid some of those common stage mistakes? We have a lot Gosh, of speakers okay. on, a lot of speakers that listen, by the way.
2: Oh, you do? Okay, that's good, because um, that's something that in the such a fun conversation. In the last couple years, I've transitioned uh, our business from just straight personal development and. And, and empowerment. And we've moved into, because I've, I've put on this point, it's funny, I don't know if I shared this with you, I've put on over 200 three-day or longer seminars or workshops in four different countries. And I added it up and I, I've I've lectured or taught full days of training over a thousand days in the last 10 years.
1: Wow. And
2: yeah, it's kind of crazy. I just, just put it all together. I did the math. I went to the calendar recently and it kind of blew my mind. Um, I did a church training recently out in Michigan, and and I shared with them a thousand days, and said that's equivalent to imagine if you preach two times a week, every single week, with never taking a day off for ten years. Um, that's how long. I've, that's how many trainings I've done.
1: You've heard the ten thousand rule, right, Matt?
2: Yes, yes, yes. yes. Malcolm Gladwell, right?
1: Right. So you've done yeah. ten thousand hours over and over and over. I think, right?
2: Definitely 10,000 hours, because some of those thousand days were 15-hour days, 12-hour sure. days. Some of them were 90 minutes, but most of them were more like you know 10 hours, 12 hours. We do kind of intensive stuff. Um, so I guess I just all say that not for any reason other than just to say I've done this a lot, and eventually I think once we do something a lot, there's there's a market in the world where you can bring the thing you've done a lot and actually teach people how to do that or some of the nuances of it. So no matter what business you're in. I mean, you could be like bottling pickles and selling pickles. And at some point, you could actually make a digital product or run a workshop teaching, uh, say, entrepreneurs how to get into the manufacturing business or how to get into the food business, right? There's there's something so valuable about information we sometimes take for granted that we've learned trials and tribulations, right? I've fallen flat on my face doing workshops. Um, I, I've lost money big time. I, I've put on a workshop and had – you know, three people show up when I had 100 people scheduled. And we I mean, I've had all sorts of mistakes. So learning from the mistakes, there's also been successes, of course, right? Some some really great days. Uh, but now I get a chance to actually teach entrepreneurs how to incorporate speaking, workshops, uh, and that sort of thing, right, into their business, whether they're speakers for a business or they just, like I said, you sell pickles, right? I think every entrepreneur can speak to grow their business.
1: So what are maybe one or two things that if you had to do over, you you'd be like, don't do it this way. So people that are just starting out can kind of mirror your success.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So many. I think the, the biggest one that comes to mind is, and it sounds almost like obvious, but I would, I would have taken more training before I fully launched everything. What I mean is that I did some NLP training, but then I started launching. I did my first seminar ever. It was a massive success. It was December 2006. There were six people there two of them were my parents and four of them were friends who came to support me right and so clearly i didn't make any money there um, i don't know how much i impacted because you know we're not a profit in our own in our own backyards right um, so everyone have said well thanks matt that was great and they left but what i would have probably done because about 8 months later i took some detailed trainers training some, some nlp uh, speaker training literally how to use this NLP stuff, how to use NLP to tell better stories, how to use NLP to uh, anchor the audience into certain states right? so you can have them follow along with you. Great comedians do this. Oprah Winfrey uh, says she uses NLP to anchor the audiences during her show. Um, So I would have learned a lot more of those types of, of, I don't call it techniques, but right that type of training. Um, And I would have learned that first. And then I would have launched into doing some workshops. and I think it probably would have been a much, a, a much faster incline of success, right? I wouldn't have probably had so many potholes along the road of success, as it were, right?
1: I assume you teach people that now in your classes, right?
2: Yeah, that, that's that's the thing I'm most excited about. Honestly, uh, I've been we've we've been taking new classes. We have a new one called Influence, and it's a three-day workshop that's literally all about learning NLP. Again, it's just it's modeling success. Um, it's also a lot about communication patterns and how to communicate with different people um, in different modes and whatnot. So when you take all that together, right, modeling success, communication patterns and whatnot, um, we teach how to do that in front of groups of two or more people. Because the funny thing is you and I just talking, we can relate to each other easy because it's one-on-one. But even if we added one more person to the conversation, it becomes a group conversation rather than just a one-on-one, right? So it's groups of three or more um so me the principles are actually the same oddly enough you just amplify how you do things so it's everything from man what to do with your hands where to walk on stage um you know barack obama our our, our still current president not for long though i don't know when this podcast is airing but it might be uh, right after um when trump's in but i'll tell you barack obama didn't get into his first four years without knowing nlp i'll tell you that much um Every one of his campaign speeches were filled with NLP. And again, don't get me wrong, it's not, you know, it's sensational headlines to say he was manipulating and hypnotizing people, and that's not the case. What it really was is NLP is just, again, it's effective communication. So he was using that to connect with different segments of audience at the unconscious level. And by the time he said what he wanted to say, people went, well, you know what, I like this guy. Let's hear what he has to say. And that's such a nice thing, right, to be able to have someone like you before you begin to even share what you're sharing. Um, They're more likely to maybe agree with a point, or have you ever heard someone start to make a point, and you might even agree with the content a little bit, but you already have this weird mismatch or like kind of a rubbing against them,
1: so you want to
2: disagree, even though the content's okay, right? Usually this happens in marriage, right? Right. I'm arguing to be. I'm right. You're wrong. It just, it's just how it is, even though you probably really are right. I say that most nights in my life.
1: <laughs> Smart move. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I think so. I apologize first, always. Um, but sorry, you were talking about uh, using some NLP on stage, right?
1: Yeah, but you know, you're right. Now that you mention, I know Barack Obama is a very charismatic, I don't know if that's the right word I want to use, but I never I thought would. it was. All behind NLP, but it totally makes sense looking back.
2: For sure. yeah, you want have an interesting t- statistic. you guys will like this is um, a friend of mine who's an NLP trainer did a uh, kind of a blind study way back when I think it would have been eight years ago when, when it was still Barack Obama, um, John McCain, and then Hillary Clinton the first time around when the three of them were the final uh, in, the, in the election. And what he did is he grabbed a, a random 500 word section from random speech from the three different candidates, if that makes sense, right? So there's a random 500-word excerpt. No, didn't try to find it. And then he measured it for what we call hypnotic language or NLP influence patterns. And there's certain patterns, right? Like, I mean, there's simple ones like, say, um, we call it a universal quantifier. That just means that instead of saying, you know, Nancy, you could agree with this, I would say, you know, anyone could agree with this at some point. And if I say anyone could agree with this at some point, isn't it easier to, like, wrap your mind around, oh, that's probably true? Whereas if I said, you know, Nancy, my friend John Smith agrees with this. Well, then you go, well, who's John Smith? And does he or doesn't he? Do I like him or not? So uh, not to get into all the patterns, but understanding that there's ways to phrase a sentence that will have people more likely to agree than not agree, right? Pretty simple. Yeah. So what they found is, and here's So they found uh, Hillary, John McCain, I'll start with John, he was the lowest. He had 12% um, influence patterns or hypnotic language.
1: I believe and that.
2: Totally, right? Basically, the guy was unintentional with it. Now, what I didn't tell you is they also did a, um, what do they call that when they, like a control study, right? They did a control study, they picked two people, one that had absolutely no NLP training at all, no influence training, so they picked Bill Gates. Then they wanted to find someone in history who had unbelievable influence and impact, so they picked Adolf Hitler. And you could probably agree he had a ton of influence in his speeches. Bill Gates, Bill Gates ended up having, in his random 500 word, he had 12%. Hitler, crazy enough, had 48%. So that was a benchmark, right, to know, well, someone with very little or no training Probably everyday language speaks with about 12% of these patterns, right? You can't help but sometimes say anybody or always or, you know, words like that. But someone with high training and influence was near to the 50% mark. So here's what the numbers were. John McCain was 12%. Hillary Clinton, 33%. So she was definitely intentional in her patterns. Barack Obama, 58% hypnotic language or NLP influence.
1: I believe that.
2: 58. I mean, like even a slogan, right? Like, yes, we can. We can what? What are we talking about? But who, you know, change we can believe in. Um, I don't know what kind of change, but we all want some sort of change. So if you say, I'm for lowering taxes by 6% um, for this specific demographic and changing this and applying it to this particular school district, people will agree or disagree with that tactic. But if you say, you know what, I'm for lowering taxes and making America great again, Right, like the best slogans in business history, in I mean that's a fun thing to talk about, and in, po- in political history, the best slogans are always high, high NLP patterns. So uh-huh. much fun. We te- we we teach that to influence. Like like our slogan. How about this one? You ready? Yep. Our slogan for so the company's evolution, and the slogan is, "It will only change everything."
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
2: <laughs> and I'm just saying, how much fun is that, right? <laughs>
1: Well done! You've got a couple NLPs in there, not just one. It's like That's hitting it right. from all angles, it, right? yeah, yeah, it's
2: like it it will only change everything. It's like, and there's even more. There's quantum language in there. It's fun stuff, but like, change what and change how and what's everything? Well, so what happens is you go so vague in a way that it actually it allows people. You'll love this. It allows people to put into their minds their own pictures. Exactly. Right? So again, if I said, imagine Nancy, you can, and you don't have to do this, of course, but you could come to my seminar and and you'll lose 12 and a half pounds, and you don't need that. I, trust me, but but right, you could say this is what you'll get, the specific result. What happens is everybody listening will make that picture in their minds, and that may be something they want or something they don't want. But if I said instead, you know, you come to the seminar, you're going to learn cutting edge secrets. You're going to learn how to shift all the things that are so important to you to get even better results as soon as you want. And you look back and you go, what did you say? I don't know. I didn't really say anything in particular. But when you leave something so, uh, we'll call it ambiguous, right? It can be taken kind of either way. You can fill in the blank. When you leave it ambiguous, it allows the listener to fill in the blanks themselves.
1: Very and that's cool. a huge part
2: of storytelling a business, right? Um, if you're talking about your product, right, The you, you go ambiguous and you say, you know, this product – does so much good you know there there's there's certain elements in your life that it'll make even better than they are and you might ask them you know what's one of the most important parts that you'd like to shift or what's the mo- one of the most important parts of business and you ask questions like that they fill in the blank and they'll make a picture in their mind of them using the product or make a picture in their mind of them changing their result or all that sort of thing if that makes any sense
1: yeah so let me ask you this you just stirred up a new sure. question i i love that because people can fill I in love the blank questions. What do you do when, with those people who are more analytical and they need the details and they need the specifics? How do you, how do you work with them?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. So w- what we're talking about, if you're following along at this point, I'm not sure if, uh, if I still kept your lawsuit, but if you're following along, we're, um, in NLP we call this process chunking. It's a silly technical term, but we call it chunking up or chunking down. It's just it's taking a conversation or language patterns. And going up, chunking up is going into more ambiguous, uh, more generalities and things like that. There's also a time to chunk down, chunking down into the details, um, into the specifics. And let me give you two examples. So like if I was diagnosing a problem with a car, say I'm a mechanic, I want to start chunking down. You know, you wouldn't just say, hey mechanic, um, something's wrong with my car, can you fix it? What's the mechanic going to do? Well, is it making a noise? yeah, it's making a noise under the hood. Well, is it a clinking noise or a banging noise or a grinding noise? And they start chunking down. And then pretty soon they'll go, well, it's part of the engine. Well, it's one of the cylinders. It's one of the piston heads. Okay, I can fix a piston head. But you can't fix a, quote, broken car. When it comes to people uh, and products, sometimes you need to chunk down and it's the exact opposite perspective. Um, Probably my favorite example would be, again, like in relationships somebody would come to, uh, like an NLP practitioner, come to the seminar and say, you know, Matt, because we always do these interactions live, and someone raises their hand and says, okay, well, I have a problem with this because I I, I get this content, but, you know, my wife never listens to me, so I don't know how I could ever use this. So what am I going to say? He's actually using hypnotic language in that moment. He's saying my wife never listens to me, so I can't do any of this. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
2: Okay, good. I just want to so make sure be we're tracking. Never,
1: never. My husband uses those words, too. What do they call right? Superlatives? Is that what the word uh, Well,
2: in, in NLP, I call that a universal quantifier. Again, so there's silly names, but that means that um, we're, you're, you're quantifying that universally, this is always or never true. So anytime yeah. you say always, everyone, <laughs> never. But, right, And that's classic in spouses, right? Oh, oh, yeah. My wife never listens, so I can't use any of this. So what am I going to say from stage? So I'm going to start the conversation by saying, that's really interesting. I know it feels like that, but can I ask you a question? So sure. I said, so never? So there's not one time she has listened to you. And he go, well, no, that's not completely true. Now, I don't ask that to, just to, like, to argue right, or to, to make the person wrong. What I'm actually doing is I'm chunking down the details to uncover more of the story. See, if he just says my wife never listens, A, I know that's not true. But B, I can't do anything to help him with NLP. But if I say, well, never, has there ever been a time she has listened to you? Well, sure. When does she listen? Uh, this time, that time. When does she not listen? Right? I remember I, I had someone say this and goes, well, uh, I, I guess it's whenever I come home from work and I've, I've had like a, a really rough day. Um, I said she, so she never listens to you after work? He goes, well, no, that's not true. And what we did is we finally uncovered. He said, well, it was this, this one time last Tuesday <laughs> is really what his problem was. This one time last Tuesday, and I felt really hurt. And she was so busy with this and that, and she didn't listen. And then I just I felt disconnected too. And what happened is the whole fight they've been in for like three weeks all started from this one moment where he believed that she didn't care because she didn't have time to listen to him one day after work. Once we uncovered all those details, then we could work on the strategies of how they set up communication. But that makes sense. Like you have to uncover the details. Without any details, I don't know what I'm working on. That's like, you know, him raising his hand and saying, "Hey, my car don't run. Can you make it run better?" <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? We got to figure this out.
1: I bet our listeners right now are saying, "Wow, I can use this in my relationships. I can use this in my business." Where can oh, people so. find more seminar, more information about these seminars? Like when you're coming to their area?
2: Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Um, you know, we something funny. I have a Um, I have an almost six-year-old son and and my my wife. We all live in Orange County, California. And I used to be all over the world. I was running seminars in like four different countries. Um, I'd run six cities in Australia. We do New Zealand tours all over the U.S. And it was a really fun time. But then once my son was born, I had a huge epiphany. We realized we started to do less events, and we started to do them more centrally located. So um, for live events, they're always in Orange County, California. And you can find information there at uh, our website, uh, evolutionseminars.com. That's easy. Um, but I, I do have something. I know you guys are all listening from different places. So if you would like to, um, to pick up a little something on this, you can check out. I have a really cool site. Um, that's just It's all free stuff. It's called nlpspeaking.com. So NLP, like Neuro Linguistic Programming, speaking.com And on there I put a three-part video training, where, I, and it's just a deep dive training. I'm, I'm training for like three hours on three different videos, or one hour on each one, three total, whatever it is. Uh, but it's a three-part video training uh, teaching you how to use NLP to construct a uh, talk, like a keynote talk, or if you're going to go talk to a rotary club or promote your business somewhere, whether you have 10 minutes or an hour and a half, um, you can use this training to develop the perfect keynote talk. Um, I used the exact training I'm teaching for one of my first ever keynote talks in Australia, where I generated $58,000 from sales in 75 minutes, and nice. that was uh, and, and that was amazing because I didn't know what I was doing. I literally it was one of my earlier talks back in like 2008, I think, but I'd taken the training and applied it. And then I also give you an example keynote talk on there too of that exact talk that generated that much in sales, so you can watch. How I, how I communicate and connect with the audience on stage. And then you can see the principles in action, if that makes sense. So um, I'd love you to go there. It's nlpspeaking.com. It's totally free. Um, enjoy. It's just a, a gift, and it would be cool. And if you want to stay in touch, you certainly can there. You can find me on Facebook at uh, Matt Browning and Twitter and Instagram and all those things.
1: That is awesome and a very generous gift. So I'm going to repeat that for people, nlppeaking.com. Hey, Matt, I want to give you my signature question. Are you ready for this?
2: Oh, I'm so ready.
1: This will be a good good one for you with having a family and traveling. So as a business productivity expert, I help people find more time in their day. So if you had one more hour in your day, one more hour, how would you spend it?
2: Such a good question. Wow. I think... The first thing that comes to my mind is I would first find the extra hour in a day because I think a lot of us are wishing for the 25th hour, and it's not coming. And So what I would do is I would find the extra hour in the day. And I personally, like I shared in the beginning, I find those hours by switching on and switching off. So when I come in on Tuesday, today's Tuesday, um, I'm cranking along. It's a back-to-back day of coaching, of podcast, of working with the team, of all these things and then, and I end my day at 5 or 4.45. I'm going to go work out at 5 o'clock. Um, I'm going to go home to do my family. So segmentation in an entrepreneur's life, there's nothing more important than that because if I don't segment my day and decide when it ends and when it begins, um, I will never have time to work out. I'll never have time to be with my family. I'll never have time to do all the things that I, I do want to get done. Uh, but to answer your question, if I had an extra hour, I would – I'd probably read the Bible even more. I'd, I'd spend some time just praying and being with God. That's what I would do. Awesome. Because that sets up my whole day.
1: I like how you also gave a couple of tips on what to do as well, too. Time is really elastic. It, if people, yeah,
2: I snuck that in, didn't I? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, well done. I was just listening to a podcast the other day, and this guy was saying he doesn't yeah. have time to work out or be with his family, but then all of a sudden his water pipe broke in the middle of winter. Yeah. And he had to find Ooh. eight hours to clean up the mess and work with the contractors. And all of a sudden, you've got eight hours. So we've got time. We just have to prioritize it.
2: That's absolutely right. Yeah,
1: Very and, uh, and if you don't
2: do it now, you'll do it when it's an emergency. And I, I definitely do not want to prioritize my wife once she's mad at me and feeling like we're not disconnected. I want to prioritize her well before that um, on day one, right? When we were dating, we, I prioritized her. And now that we've been married six years, I can still prioritize her.
1: That's awesome, and I'm glad you didn't say she never listens to you, or she always. Oh. <laughs>
2: it might be true that I never listen, but I try every day to get better at it.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, this has been a great show. Is there anything else you want to add that I didn't ask you or we didn't cover?
2: I I mean, it, this is a lot of fun, Nancy. Thanks for having me on, and I uh, certainly hope to connect with some of the listeners more. And, uh, and once I get mine up and running, I hope you'll be one of my guests.
1: Oh, I would love that. That would be super fun. Then you get like, yeah. to ask me the questions.
2: I do, and ooh, they're going to be toughies. So
1: I know. I'll have to think of my <laughs> think of my feet for sure. Well, Matt, thanks sure. for sharing part of your day with us. It's been super fun, educational. Listeners, my new report on the top five systems that create massive productivity in your business is available on my website. Go to nancygaines.com to download it. And if you love the show, please subscribe rate and review on iTunes so other people can find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage.
0: You've been listening to the Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S.com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines and on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.